Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Williams. Join me as we explore the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur and discuss a wide range of military history topics from the American Civil War to the Korean War. The U.S. Army Veterinary Corps has a fascinating history. Created in 1916, by World War II, its activities were chiefly centered on food inspection to ensure meats, dairy, and other items going to feed the Army were being sanitarily procured, produced, and transported. The Veterinary Corps also had the responsibility across theaters for about 56,000 horses and mules, thousands of war dogs, and pigeons used by the Signal Corps. On December 8, 1941, there were 12 Veterinary Corps officers stationed in the Philippines. As the Japanese invaded the islands, they played an important role in trying to feed the beleaguered defenders, as well as caring for the military animals and even human patients. When the Philippines fell to the Japanese in the spring of 1942, these men went into captivity, applying their unique skill set to the challenges of the POW experience. To tell us more, we welcome John Frank, the son of one of those Veterinary Corps officers, then Lieutenant Charles B. Frank. Welcome, sir, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. Tell us about the Veterinary Corps in the Philippines prior to December 1941. What were they doing there, and what did young men like your father think of serving in the Philippines? My dad had a 30-year active duty career, Army career. And when I was about 12 years old, I came across a box in my grandmother's attic that told my father's POW story. So I knew of his experiences from a pretty early age. When my mom died, I inherited the box and cataloged his papers. And in doing so, I learned about the other men and the contributions of the Veterinary Corps during the early days of the war. Thanks to a letter from Lieutenant Colonel Boris Bregles, a veterinary corps officer who just incidentally retired at the end of uh, yesterday, I believe was his retirement date. And his hands, I've been able to track down the stories of the corps uh, under General MacArthur's USAFE command. So to tell you a little bit about veterinarians uh, in the Philippines prior to 1941, there have been veterinarians in the Philippines since 1918, providing animal care and, and food inspection services. Such assignments were really considered a plum as life in the Pearl of the Orient, as, it, as was known for its easy living, living and active social life. It had an air of excitement. Most of the officers and even some enlisted personnel had Filipino attendants to care for their uniforms and clean their quarters. Captain Oliver Orson, one of the veterinarians, had even been able to ship his car to Manila. The more senior veterinary corps officers were on re return tours of duty. Colonel Mott Ramsey, the department commanding officer, had a son born there. But there were also tensions in the populations as Americans were viewed as colonialists, even though things were on course to Philippine independence in 1946. Second in command, Lieutenant Colonel Joshua Worthington's family had just arrived in February, only to be returning to the States in May. Most of the veterinarians, however, were new arrivals as part of the buildup in the summer of 1941. Ten had arrived in early May on the uh, U.S. Army Transport Washington. It was also the ship that took Worthington's family home and were settling into their assignments. My father was the last to arrive. He got to Manila on November 20th, which was Thanksgiving Day that year. And uh, 
It was only 17 days before Pearl Harbor. The junior officers hadn't been in the Army for very long, and while they were all graduates of the top veterinary schools in the country, most had little or no practical field experience. My dad was a Pennsylvania farm boy. My grandfather had dairy herds, so attending the University of uh, Pennsylvania Veterinary School made family sense. He was uh, an Army Reserve officer and called up in February with orders to the Philippines by August. In December of 1941, there were 12, as you mentioned, veterinarians assigned to USAFE under Colonel Ramsey's command. Wow, that's amazing about your father's timeline. He basically gets there just in time for the war to start. So by mid-1941, Army horse and mule strength in the Philippines is listed at about 1,650. Those 12 officers aren't taking care of all those animals by themselves, though. Do we know how many enlisted men supported the Veterinary Corps, and were any members of the Philippine Scouts involved? So the the, the veterinarians themselves were, were assigned with most detail to the Filipino Scout units, the 26th Cavalry, the 23rd Field Artillery, and the two Quartermaster Pack trains, the 65th and the 66th. Uh, these were all mounted or mule pack units. There was also a veterinarian on Corregidor at Fort Mills. And once uh, hostilities broke out, there was a, a veterinarian sent to the Southern Command. And uh, Captain uh, Oliver Orson was selected. And uh, he was the one who had brought his car to the Philippines. And he happened to wave goodbye to it as he was headed out uh, on December 8th to the Southern Command. Each unit had Filipino scout enlisted, veterinary enlisted men. The 23rd Field Artillery, for example, my dad's unit, had two enlisted men in in the veterinary section. And they took my father, as you know, under their wing since he had only arrived in the country and really didn't know his way around uh, in terms of uh, distances to different locations or protocols and those sorts of things. And I really wish I knew more about those two uh, men. He, as I mentioned, he was assigned to the 23rd Field Artillery, and that unit had 48 horses and 80 mules. And they moved a uh, old mountain gun, broke it down into pack loads, plus ammunition and supplies. Let me talk for a second, if I can digress, about uh, Army mules. The Army mule was the predominant animal deployed in all units except the 26th Cavalry. As many people may know, it's the offspring of a male donkey and a female horse. And that makes mules more patient and hardier than horses and less stubborn and more intelligent than donkeys. They have size, endurance, and a unique herd mentality. Unlike horses, mules bunch together uh, during a battle. And of course, if you wanted to scatter them, you, you had quite a job to do that. Uh, the Army deployed mules in many theaters and conflicts with difficult terrain beyond the Philippines. And the last uh, 322 Army mules, interesting thing I just learned, uh, were transferred to the National Park Service from Fort Car Carson, Colorado uh, in 1956. Up until December of 1955, after the war, my dad was actually the veterinary officer at Fort Carson, Colorado. I just found that out the other day as well. The battery he was assigned to was commanded by a Major Alva Fitch, who was a 1930 graduate of West Point. 
And under the command of Major Fitz, there were there were 10 officers, but there was no medical support for the unit. So Lieutenant Frank, as a veterinarian, also drew the medical kit and associate and associated duties. An interesting note about Major Fitch. He survived the war and survived and retired as a lieutenant general in 1966. His career included command of the 3rd Armored Division in Germany with both Lieutenant Colin Powell and Sergeant Elvis Presley under his command. It was standard duty for the men assigned to take care of their animals. Many of the cavalry troopers, both American and Filipino, had special bonds with their horses, and many of the American officers had brought their horses with them to the Philippines. Before the war, there were veterinary hospitals in two locations in the Philippines, and they were staffed by enlisted personnel assigned to the 4th Veterinary Company, with the veterinary officers providing care on a duty roster basis. But after the war started, the veterinarians were deployed in direct support of their assigned units. In the U.S. Army Surgeon General's official report on the U.S. Army Veterinary Corps in World War II, the service of the Veterinary Corps between 1941 and 42 in the Philippines is described as brief but dramatic. How do they support combat operations as the Japanese invade? Well, that, that's a good description. The field units moved out as soon as the attacks began on December 8th. Uh, And in fact, it wasn't a day later. It was mere hours after the attack on Pearl Harbor. The cavalry was assigned to the North Luzon Defense Force and engaged the Japanese uh, army in several dramatic encounters during those early days. One such incident occurred in late December when advancing uh, Japanese forces were crossing a bridge. It was the only bridge for miles over the Abnat River when Lieutenant Clayton Mickelson, Veterinary Corps, uh, encountered advancing Japanese tanks and drove the veterinary truck to the center of the bridge and disabled it while other 26 cavalry officers set it ablaze. Under heavy fire, they all scurried to safety, low-crawling the last 50 yards. The burning truck wrecked the bridge, weakened it, and an attempted tank crossing resulted in collapse of the bridge, stopping the advance. This earned Lieutenant Mickelson the Distinguished Circuit Service Cross, the U.S. Army's second highest award, and the first ever awarded to an Army veterinarian. In other action, the 23rd Field Artillery battled infiltrating Japanese forces in an intense fight for two days in January that resulted in the loss of the battle. During the fight, which ended in the destruction of the guns and the scattering of the animals, Lieutenant Frank administered first aid to both the men and the animals that were injured. It was all over on Bataan in April and Corregidor in early May. Colonel Ramsey had been evacuated on the last submarine out, the Spearfish, on May 3rd, and the rest were to become prisoners of war. When I was doing research for our discussion today, I learned something very interesting. And obviously, this is before they go into captivity. But I learned that while the Veterinary Corps is associated with the Army's medical and dental corps, the Veterinary Corps members are specifically not granted protective status as non-combatants under the Geneva Convention. Do you know why that is? Uh, well, so the Veterinary Corps officers carried sidearms, uh, arguably to dispatch wounded animals, and they were also deployed with frontline troops. So it was very difficult to draw a line between combatants and non-combatants uh, and Veterinary Corps. They, they had the ability to be identified 
by a green cross armband. You know, medical personnel wore red cross armbands on occasion. But quite frankly, I don't believe many of them actually wore went to the effort of wearing armbands. So they 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 really were questionable in terms of whether they were non-combatants. Uh, a case in point. One of the veterinarians, Captain William Gotchenauer, he was assigned to the 26th Cavalry as a veterinarian. And after the 26th Cavalry turned their horses into quartermaster, he continued to fight with the 26th Cavalry and earned a combat infantry badge for his efforts. Not many veterinarians earned CIBs uh, during World War II. Interesting. Now, in the intro, I also talked about the role the veterinarians played in providing food for the defenders of Bataan and Corregidor. Can you tell us a little bit more about their role in this? Yes. So that one of the main missions of the Veterinary Corps is to provide uh, inspected uh, meat and foodstuffs to the troops. Uh, And they were the the, uh, veterinarians in the Philippines were very instrumental in this as well, uh, even in face of uh, dwindling uh, supplies. Lieutenant Colonel Worthington set up a procurement program that was organized with the help of the Philippine Army veterinarians and enlisted personnel and several hundred civilians whose job it was to go out and obtain water buffalo, caribou, the native water buffalo, uh, getting them to the, first of all, locating, seeing if they could locate the owners to pay the owners for the for the animal, uh, getting them to field uh, processing plants, abattoirs, processed and on trucks to quartermaster distribution centers and field kitchens. There was a a whole section of civilians helping to gather uh, uh, fresh meat uh, for the troops. Uh, Half of the meat processed went on to Corregidor where they had cold storage, but uh, unfortunately uh, uh, that cold storage was was lost when the facility was bombed uh, by the Japanese in March. Rations to the troops were cut several times to conserve supply, and many of the frontline troops, which were hard to resupply anyway, uh, resorted to catch and eat strategies, including snakes, lizards, monkeys, stray caribou, something that wandered into camp just so that they could uh, maintain their calorie counts. Lieutenant Colonel Worthington had also begun to think about utilizing the uh, fishing resources um, because there were a lot of native fishermen in the area, but the Japanese controlled the uh, offshore areas and uh, battle progressed too rapidly uh, to bring that resource uh, to uh, fruition. So after the dismount of the 26th Cavalry and the loss of the 23rd, the veterinarians, Lieutenant Frank and Mickelson, along with a detachment of personnel comprised of Filipino scout enlisted troopers, veterinarian, veterinary enlisted men, and, and several Philippine Army veterinarians established and maintained a corral for what was left approximately 350 animals. It functioned as a replacement depot for the QM units that were still operating and later as a supply uh, for the arbitoires uh, to provide the, the food for the troops. Their biggest problem encountered was getting fodder for the animals as that had been a problem all along, finding enough food for the animals. That corral operated until late March. Uh, and when the corrals closed, Lieutenants Frank and Mickelson went to report to the 65th and the 66th quartermaster train units 
with orders to diminish the animal strength by 12 a day to feed the troops. So they were slowly but surely uh, dwindling in uh, the number of animals that they had uh, to take care of. During that whole period of the uh, Battle of Bataan, there were approximately 3,400 animals processed before the surrender. Uh, and that would include not only the caribou and the horses and and uh, mules, but also pigs and uh, goats and other other animals that uh, that they were able to process. In an official report by General Alan McBride, who was the commander of the Bataan Service Command, he noted that the work of the Veterinary Corps enabled the troops to hold out for at least a month longer than they had expected, because there were a number of supply issues associated with the uh, implementation of the uh, plan for Bataan. Are any members of the Veterinary Corps killed in action prior to their surrender? No, the, there were no veterinary, uh, veterinarians killed in action. Bataan surrenders on April 9th, 1942. Then you have the Bataan Death March. Corregidor surrenders on May 6th, 1942. What role do members of the Veterinary Corps play in the POW camps in the Philippines? So while the combat period was brief and dramatic, the POW period was long and difficult. On April 9th, Lieutenant Frank, my dad had fallen back to Maravelli's after the quartermaster units became disorganized and the animals scattered in the all-out drive by Japanese forces. After surrender, he was held in a casual camp of about 50 men until April 10th when they were loaded into an old bus and two pickup trucks. The bus broke down and all of the men on the bus started the Bataan Death March from kilometer zero, the very beginning. As luck had it, my dad got on one of the trucks and rolled rode as far as Arani. It's about halfway up on that 60 of the 65 miles. It's about halfway on the death march route. After a night and most of the next day in a caribou waller infested with flies, his group fell in to start the march from that point. After about two miles, a convoy of trucks picked him up and deposited them at Camp O'Donnell. They were among the first 50 to arrive at the camp. And over the next month, the camp swells to hold 9,000 Americans and 60,000 Filipinos in inadequate and disease-ridden conditions. Upon arrival, my dad reported to the medical officer in charge who had started a brief aid station with nothing more than a spot in the ground, no supplies, and was immediately put in charge of camp sanitation. Uh, as the camp grew, other veterinarians arrived. Assignments were made to help with the wards or with sanitation. And that must have been an absolutely horrible duty because it was made worse by dysentery and diarrhea becoming endemic and vitamin deficiencies bringing on uh, diseases, tropical diseases and deficiency diseases like beriberi. In early June, eight of the veterinarians in camp were transferred from O'Donnell to Cabana Tuan, with a contingent moving to a satellite, Cabana Tuan 3, a few days later. The initial medical group consisted of three veterinary officers, 13 doctors, and a dentist. That camp held about 6,000 POWs. Lieutenant Nicholson was the camp veterinarian, while Lieutenants Frank and Ott once again assumed sanitation duties. Lieutenant Mickelson knew of a neglected stock farm close to the camp where the cattle were running roughshod. So he got friendly with the Japanese supply sergeant and talked him into several hunting expeditions 
uh, that resulted in a bit of fre fresh meat uh, for the camp. In October, a detail was selected to go to Dabo Penal Colony down in Mindanao. Three veterinarians were included in the transfer, Morgan, Mickelson, and Frank. Captain Orson was already in Davo when his colleagues arrived. The rest remained at Cabanatuan providing support as part of the medical team. This trip was the first of six ship transfers experienced by the group. Camp conditions at Davo were much improved. There was plenty of water and latrines, and the veterinarians were assigned duties taking care of livestock, chickens, caribou, pigs, native cattle, and serving as aid men on various farm details. In June of 1944, they were in Davo for approximately 19 months. In June of 44, the remaining Davo POWs were transferred back to Cabanatuan on a two-leg, 23-day day voyage. By this time, traveling by ship had become extremely dangerous and advancing U.S. forces were putting pressure on Japanese shipping. By October, the Japanese wanted to move all able-bodied POWs from the Philippines to Japan and all the veterinarians except for Lieutenant Ott, who stayed behind as a member of the medical crew, uh, was tra were transferred. Several did die in captivity. The earliest death was Captain Burton Thompson on Corregidor. He was actually executed by the Japanese on May 15th after the surrender for refusing to obey the orders of Staff Sergeant John David Provo, who was an American prisoner as well. Before the war, Provo, Sergeant Provo, was living in Japan as a Buddhist priest. He got drafted and returned to the States, and because he had Japanese language skills, was sent back to the Philippines. Upon surrender, he used his language skills and cultural knowledge to curry favors from his captors. When his requests were denied by Captain Thompson, he complained and Thompson was killed. In 1952, Provo was tried and convicted of treason back in the States, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment, but he appealed for a new trial, and that was granted in 1954. The presiding judge at the time said it, it had gone too long uh, between the original conviction and the events that had occurred during the war and that a fair trial was not going to be possible. So he dismissed the indictment and Provo was released in 1955. Except for Thompson, all the other veterinary court deaths occurred on the transfer of the voyage of the hell ship Orioko Maru from Manila to Moji, Japan, December 1944 to January of 1945. There were four deaths out of the seven veterinary corps officers on that manifest. Major Burtz, when the Orioko Maru went down uh, in Subic Bay, Major Layton on the Endora Maru, the second ship that was bombed in Taco Harbor on January 9th, Major Morgan on the horrible last leg aboard the Brazil Maru, where it got cold and there was very little food and water for the remainder of the trip, and Captain Clayton Mickelson, the DSC, DSC winner, just days after disembarking in Japan. That left just three veterinarians, Major Roby, Lieutenant Frank, and Captain Orson on that trip. And they had one final transfer to a prisoner of war camp, Jensen Camp in Korea. They were liberated on September 7, 1945, when the camp was liberated. How many of them survive to be liberated? So Colonel Ramsey, he left on the, the spearfish, so he wasn't liberated. He was never a captive, okay? Six were liberated from uh, Japanese POW camps. 
Lieutenant Colonel Worthington was liberated from Malkin in China. Major Albert Roby Jr. was liberated from Jensen, along with Captain Oliver Orson and Lieutenant Frank. Lieutenant Herb Ott had stayed behind at Cabana Tuan as part of the medical detachment and was liberated by the Alamo Scouts, six Alamo Scouts in the Great Raid. And Captain William Gotchenauer uh, was transferred from Cabana Tuan to Billy Bid and was uh, liberated from Billy Bid in February by uh, MacArthur's advancing troops. So those, those, were, those were the survivors of the POW experience in, in uh, veterinary officers in the Philippines. Any final thoughts on the veterinary corps officers and the Philippines? Yeah, so my dad met my mom while co- convalescing at Woodrow Wilson Hospital in 1946. He he was a, a bachelor at that point when he made that. And, and obviously, I'm very lucky to even be here. They were married in 1947, and I was born as their second child in 1950. While my dad was a career Army veterinarian, he never talked much about his experiences during the war. And I think that's uh, quite typical. When he did, he talked about how extremely lucky he was to survive the situation that he found himself in as a 26-year-old uh, veterinarian in the Philippines. You know, it, this story continues to unfold for me. I find new information about these men uh, and the people they supported and supported them all the time. And it's been uh, it's been quite um, an honor to do so and to tell their story. You know, this was the end of the mounted era that we had still cavalry units and pack units in the field. Uh, and I just find it amazing that uh, the Army veterinarians were on the front line using their professional skill and knowledge to maintain that fighting strength, both of the Army soldiers and their animals. Thanks for allowing me to tell the, their story. Thank you so much for joining us today to share this story. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at MacArthur1880, on Facebook as the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial, or you can email MacArthurMemorial at Norfolk.gov.